Hey Sis, it's a weekly shakedown of the binary walls around us. Breaking it out and building a bridge. Checking our biases with empathy and humility and questioning the status quo. It's about building allyship that is intentional and confident. It's important to realize that cis sexism is a very real thing. Not everybody wants to be male or female and there's so much room in between to find a comfort zone. And that comfort zone can be finding a way that you feel comfortable expressing yourself. And so that can be how you talk, you know. Thank you for tuning in to the 13th episode of Hey Sis. Today, we are joined by Kasten Bradley, a music therapist at Find Your Voice Music Therapy. So, yeah, thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to uh, chat with us. Yeah, thanks for having me onto the podcast. I really appreciate it. So... Maybe let's just start off and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and all that fun stuff. Yeah, so I identify as non-binary and my pronouns are they, she. Um, I'm originally from PEI. I went to Acadia University for music therapy. And once I graduated there, I moved to St. John's, Newfoundland to complete my internship. Um, which was a fantastic experience. I was there for about a year and moved back late August with um, my fiance. And we've been in Halifax ever since, loving it. Um, and I'm currently working as a contracted music therapist with Find Your Voice Music Therapy. Okay, so music therapy. So can we break down like what exactly is music therapy? Yeah, definitely. So In a nutshell, the elevator pitch for music therapy is that it's the use of music and elements of music to achieve and obtain non-musical goals. So it's different from like a music teacher where you go and you learn how to play the piano or how to sing or whatever you want to learn about music. Um, Music therapy uses music to help you for example, learn how to communicate more efficiently, or if you've had a brain injury, our brain has neuroplasticity, and so we can kind of rewire it, and using music is actually a really helpful tool in that kind of regard. Oh, I love that. I love that. I and- think it's I think it's really great, because a lot of people are taking, like, therapy to, like, non-traditional ways, and it works so much better with people's brains. I knew of someone who did, like, animal therapy and that was a really good avenue for a lot of folks and I've heard like great success out of music therapy so I'm really happy that uh you know you've been going with that route because it's definitely well needed definitely when you hear music too like does that just add that whole element of like relaxation I think like that almost I think for me anyway that would just ease me right into um feeling more comfortable from the very beginning I think with music 100% I mean even without doing specific goals and objectives for an individual listening to music on its own reduces cortisone which is like your stress hormone it slows your heart rate down it can like even out your breathing rate it gives you dopamine and serotonin it's just wonderful like all the benefits aside from how you use it like passively listening to music already benefits your brain and mental health so much. And was there something in particular that inspired you to work within this field or was it just something that you've always wanted to do? It was, it wasn't something I've always wanted to do. I had actually never heard of it until I was in grade 11 and my mother who's a nurse 
came to me one day and was like, what are you going to do for university? And I was like, I honestly don't know yet. And she said, well, I have um, a music therapist that comes into my unit and it's really great. I think you would really love it. And so I kind of thought about it for a little while. And I, then I volunteered with a music therapist when I was in my grade 12 year. And I absolutely loved it. Like, I've always done music. I've always wanted to help people. But I just didn't feel overly connected to the talk therapy, like, psychologist realm. I just wanted to have a more neurodiverse and kind of holistic approach to therapy and be able to offer it in a really non-threatening way because it can be really challenging to talk, like, about what you're feeling and way less threatening to just, you know, be handed a drum and say, you know, bang it out. Like, I don't even need to know what's going on. <laughs> you can just have this safe space that I'm going to provide for you. And we'll like, we'll just get, we'll get it out that way. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I know so many people that just like that traditional like approach where it's the classic psychologist or therapist like sitting in a chair and then you're laying in a chair like talking about your feelings like that's so there's so much accessibility issues with that like and it just like puts you in like a really vulnerable spot and I think it's amazing that kind of as I said before there's more avenues now to you know have these holistic approaches to you know mental health awareness and supporting yourself and discovering different aspects of yourself in that way so well, I'm wondering, um, would you be able to give us some examples of some of like the sounds you talked about, drum beating and that? Do you have any of your like instruments there or would you also potentially like play like background actual songs um, that people are familiar with? Or how do you choose what what technique, I guess, or what method of music your clients would like? Right. Um, yeah. So for choosing music or what element of music we're going to use in session is really dependent on the client. So typically you'll go through an intake process where you tell us what your like preferred genre of music is. Um, if you have any experience or if you're interested in any instruments in particular, what you're coming to music therapy for. Um, and so then from there, we take that information and we'll kind of curate a set list of songs or musicians or artists that an individual likes and adapt them for whatever the need is. So there's not really like a, a song that I would use for all clients. Songs that are really common though that I do use are like You Are My Sunshine because you can use it for literally all age groups. Everybody knows it. It's such a non-threatening song to sing along to too if somebody is anxious about singing. Like that's a really good icebreaker one. Um, Take Me Home, Country Roads, that's a super oh, yeah. popular one. <laughs> um, it kind of just depends like, on what the client is looking for, for what we would do in a session. And you mentioned um, different ages. Is there kind of a general like demographic of, uh, I guess, the correct would be client that you'd work with? Um, absolutely not. The, the population that means they're therapists work with is so incredibly broad and it just blows my mind because music therapists are constantly creating new programs and new populations that they can work with you know we work from infants in the NICU to seniors with dementia and we work with individuals with 
disabilities and delays. We work with autistic individuals. We work with neurotypical individuals who just want help with their anxiety and depression and grief and loss. Like it's everywhere. And most music therapists end up finding like their niche or their specialization, depending on what their interests are. And so there are individuals who will work only in the hospitals or there will be individuals who only do private practice and they focus on autistic individuals. And then there are people who are more eclectic music therapists like myself who kind of just want to work with everybody. And so without going like further than our realm of knowledge and specializations, we'll kind of work with whoever approaches us and feels that we would be a good therapist for them. That sounds great. And it makes sense not to pigeonhole yourself right from the very beginning, because I assume you're fairly like fairly new in the career or how many years would you say you've been you've been doing this now? So I'm in my first year of being a certified music therapist, okay. which has been amazing. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I did a year internship, so it's a thousand hours in total. And there I focus primarily on in like they're focused primarily with autistic individuals, individuals with Down syndrome, seniors with dementia and Alzheimer's, and then some mental health. But through your music therapy degree, you actually have to do four placements. And so they try to give you as broad of an education as you can. So I've had experience working um, with a lot of different populations. And I can honestly say I haven't worked with one that I didn't like. <laughs> I, it would kind of be, you know, not on topic to mention this, but how has COVID impacted your business and, you know, how kind of you operate? Because a lot of, you know, kind of, as you said, like people need to bang it out on drums and stuff. So how did, how are you navigating that over the past year? It's been a challenge with COVID, but music therapists are definitely resilient. We're definitely adapting and doing everything we can to make our services still accessible. And so depending on if you're private practice or not, you can still do in person. Um, so I have a couple of colleagues that work in long-term care facilities and they can still go in every day. They do the check-ins and temperature checks like everybody else because they're deemed an essential worker, which is great. Um, and for myself, I've actually been doing telehealth since the pandemic started. So I guess a whole year now <laughs> I've been doing telehealth. Um, and so it's adapted a little bit in the sense that you kind of have to work with what the client has at home, if they have any instruments. And if not, then it's more using your voice, percussion on, you know, the desk or grab some empty pots or like, um, it's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of improvisation as you need it. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Um, so just can I ask them from a, from a hey sis perspective, then are you working, like, do you find that you work with, um, with the 2SLGBTQ plus community? As far as working with the queer community in music therapy, I'm starting a program that starts next week, actually, um, for transgender and non-binary individuals to help them form a new connection with their voice. If they're feeling any dysphoria from it, if they're doing hormone replacement therapy and their voice is affected or not affected and having that space to learn how to take care of their voice, to explore their voice, because not many people spend time making 
random sounds and vocalizing and figuring out what feels comfortable and what doesn't. Like, our voice is a very individualized aspect of ourselves. Like, it portrays who you are. It can inflect, like, mood, communication, um, all those things. And so I'm really excited for the program to start and be able to create that space for people. So how will that program roll out? Like, how is that? Is that virtual or do you have a location? Right now, we are doing it virtual because we want to be mindful of everyone's comforts. And so it's a virtual online group session to start off, just because we're running it as a bit of a pilot program to see how everybody feels with it. And so we'll be meeting once a week, um, bi-weekly for an hour, where we'll do vocal warm-ups and breathing exercises to have good throat health, to learn how to care for your voice so that you don't damage it, to find a range that feels comfortable for and gender affirming for the individuals, and um, then just like singing and having a support system and a safe space to explore their voice. And so once we get funding for this program, because our first pilot program aspect of it is um, not funded, but we are very aware that transitioning can be quite expensive and we don't want to add to that burden <laughs> by any means. And so we're looking for grants to fund our clients and hopefully some donations. We've already received one generous donation that will cover the cost of two individuals to do the program. And we're hoping to get some more because we have quite the wait list actually for individuals that need accessible pricing. And so we're eager to um, get them all in the program. Well, maybe Kasten and Isaac, because I'm unfamiliar with this, but just when you talk about the need and the importance, which is there, um, I have heard, and, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but so for someone who's transitioning and perhaps they're you know they're wanting to um, to alter their voice, say, making it sound more feminine or more masculine. There, If you don't do it properly, you can really harm your vocal cords. Is, is that right? Like, it, you know, it, like having this kind of assistance can, A, well, A, help you feel less gender dysphoric, but also it, there's a healthy, there's a healthy way to do it. Is that, would that be right? Yes, like 100%. And that is essentially the purpose of this program. It's to help them form a new connection with their voice because there's only so much you can change about your voice and you need to, everyone needs to feel comfortable with their voice because it's just a super important aspect of who you are. But there are healthy and non-healthy ways to go about that and about changing the way that you communicate because there's differences in communication in regards to the binary, I guess, because men, they'll speak lower, obviously, but there's more than that. They have shorter sentences. They typically use less detail. They'll like end their sentences on a downward cadence instead of on an upward cadence. And so just those ways yeah. of communication and adjusting will already help individuals feel more gender affirmed within themselves than if they were just to try and go and adjust the way that they speak. I would have never thought of that. Isaac? <laughs> oh, I am like all over this. I don't know if Casta knows this, but I actually, I have a degree in linguistics. Um, and that's something that's like, oof, that we talked about a lot. It's a very hot topic within um, 
like linguists that, yeah, what it's called is with massive air quotes around here. People can't see me doing air quotes, but you guys can. Um, with women, um, women tend to up talk. So at the end of sentences, like, as you said, they have a more upward cadence. Um, and which kind of comes across as that women um, are asking questions more and they're more likely, they're less likely to make statements. And it's really interesting. Um, even when I go back and look at my own speech patterns that uh, there's a very different way that, you know, cis men talk, cis women talk versus like queer people. Um, yeah. Like there's the studies of like queer English and stuff. Anyways, that's super off topic, but <laughs> I think it's so important what you're doing, especially with queer identifying people, because as you said, there's so many binary standards that we put on people just for how we communicate. And that, you know, the understanding that we do have of language is so binary. So someone who, you know, is exploring their gender identity or is in a transition and is medically transitioning, having that support is so crucial and and really kind of understanding who they are. Yeah. And I think it's just important to realize that cis sexism is a very real thing. Not everybody wants to be male or female. And there's so much room in between to find a comfort zone. And that comfort zone can be finding a way that you feel comfortable expressing yourself. And so that can be how you talk. You know, where is your vocal range? What kinds of communication do you use? Do you use your hands more? And that feels good for you because women talk with their hands more than men, typically, if we're going with that binary. And like, so yeah, I think it's really important to acknowledge that there's so many ways that we can adjust our voices to portray how we want to be perceived. That's so good to know. And also probably at the same time to acknowledge that if I came to see you, you're not going to make me able to probably ever sing like Taylor Swift, but I can, uh, I can definitely alter certain, like, it, it's interesting. I never think about, you know, how you go up at the end of the sentence, but when I hear myself recorded, I know that I do that at times and it drives me crazy because it makes you sound less confident or, you know, um, and that it, it is true when you do think about how it is quite often tied to um, feminism um, and feminist qualities. But, uh, but I love the ability that you can help people reach their full vocal potential if they have certain goals with their, uh, with, with the way that they, with the way that they're perceived or sounding. I don't have a question in there. I'm just like, I'm, I, you just made me think like, <laughs> um, communication in a whole different way, which I'm sure Isaac, you obviously you have that from your training, your, your degree and that as well, but it's super, it's super fascinating. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's really good too, like, as like, non-binary people like having that perspective on the binary and of course like other people have perspective on that too but just the fact that even you know i just think of like vocal coaches a lot of them have the expectation that you know i'm here to get you to a specific range that might not even be tangible for that person or that based on your gender identity or your physiotype or what have you you can only reach these certain potentials but with the work that you're doing, you're making sure that people are exploring their entire potential and not trying to put them into this little box and that they're able to explore things comfortably within their own means while also exploring things about themselves. Um, and I, I think that's magical. Yeah, I just really want to strive to provide a space and the resources for everyone 
to explore themselves, to explore their voice, to find what feels comfortable for them to not feel like they have to fit into any sort of box. Like, and it can switch, you know, if one day, if someone's a gender fluid individual and I give them the tools to help them understand like, oh, I'm feeling more femme today. So if I adjust my communication this way, you know, that will help me feel more gender affirmed for today. And then tomorrow I'll, I'll reassess and I can, you know, just depending on the individuals, like I just think that having the tools and having somebody finally maybe even just tell them <laughs> different ways that they can communicate will really help individuals. It's freeing, isn't it? It's like an element of freedom. Yeah. Do you have a website? I don't have a personal website, but findyourvoicemusictherapy.com. It is the organization that I work for. They've got a lovely website. Information about our program is up on there, as well as our other beautiful music therapy uh, employees. Um, and you guys don't just work out of Halifax, too, correct? Like, there's a, you guys also offer services in, I think it was Kingston, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so we have two locations. Um, we originated in Kingston, Ontario, and we have two music therapists out there currently, as well as two interns. And then in Halifax, we have myself and the owner, Mackenzie Koster. So if people wanted to help with fundraising, then how can they go? How can they do that? Is there a link or somebody like how, how can they find you? Yeah, so if anyone would like to financially aid this program so that individuals can have accessible pricing. We are accepting donations through our email. You can get in contact with Mackenzie Kostrin at info at findyourvoicemusictherapy.com or to visit the website, which is findyourvoicemusictherapy.com. And uh, this kind of goes back to our first first kind of chat, but just out of curiosity, how much, how long was your school program? Because I don't know much about music therapy, but I'm always fascinated by, you know, like the programs where you kind of attended, you know, how you found that journey. So it was a four-year bachelor's degree in music therapy at Acadia. And then once you've completed your bachelor's degree, you're required to do a thousand hour internship, um, which can range between six to six months to a year. Um, yeah. And then once you've completed the internship, you have to pass a certified board exam, which is standard within the United States and Canada. And then you become certified and you're legally able to work as a music therapist. So it's pretty extensive. Yeah. It is extensive. It's a lot of training. It's a lot of clinical work. Um, we always have to do assessments, session notes, goals and objectives. It's a whole process, honestly. Yeah. That's a lot of dedication to put into it. And I think, you know, as I keep saying, like what you're doing today is amazing. And I think it's so well needed. And I really hope more people come forward and try and take the initiative on these kind of non-traditional ways of therapy. Cause it is, you know, as someone with a lot of experience personally with, you know, like trauma work and stuff, traditional therapies don't work for everyone. And I, know of so many people who go into therapy and traditional therapy just doesn't work for them and they feel stuck and they feel like, you know, I can't be helped. There's nothing that I can do to help support me. Um, but you know, with people like yourself, uh, they're able to find that support, which is really great. Yeah. And that's all I want to do. I just want to be able to provide the best care in the most non-threatening way that I can. Um, 
in addition to my music therapy uh, training, I'm currently enrolled at Widener University and I'm doing their advanced training in affirmative therapies for transgender communities program. And so I'm trying to be as informed and educated as I can on this community because although I'm part of the community and my fiance is a transgender man, I think the importance of personal connection and education is just so big. Like you need to be educated to be able to provide accurate care. I always introduce myself with my name and my pronouns, regardless of who you are, it's gotta be normalized more. Uh, I have it on my email signature and everything. And um, anyone who's not within the 2SLGBTQIA plus community that's ever made a comment about that, um, it's been a really good conversation about why I have them there and how they can be more inclusive and a, a better ally, essentially. And then for everybody that is within the community, it doesn't really get commented on as much because it's more standard there, but um, I think it's definitely appreciated. I try to just be as open as I can with everybody about who I am so everyone knows that I am like a safe person to come to and talk to or ask questions. It's so true. And just the accessibility. And like you say, there's so many barriers when somebody yeah. is transitioning that, you know, I like I really hope that what you're doing will someday be covered um, for individuals because it's a really huge piece um, in helping to provide gender affirming care. And um, and 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 it is wonderful knowing that you're doing the work out here in Nova Scotia and Halifax and, and the Maritimes. Uh and I hope that you know, people will find you and uh, and be able to avail of it, and uh, and that there'll be some fundraising so that we can get you know some more some more people in there covered. Yeah, definitely. We're writing grants every opportunity that we can. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, thank, thank you. For joining Hey Sis today on the podcast. It was great learning about what you do. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate um, being invited onto the platform to be able to talk about the new program. If you're interested in learning more about Caston and the amazing work that they're doing within the community, or to learn more information about the Transformative Voices Music Therapy Program, please visit their website at findyourvoicemusictherapy.com. Well, that's all the time we have today, folks. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Hey Sis. If you have any questions you want to ask or want to join in on the conversation, email us at connect at simplygoodform.com. Thank you all. And remember, inclusion matters.